It's time for security now. Yes, we have security news. Steve Gibson has the latest. And then we'll answer questions, a lot of questions about this new crypto locker virus. Coming up next on Security Now, Steve's got the answers. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Audio bandwidth for Security Now is provided by the new Winamp for Android, featuring wireless sync and one-click iTunes import. Now with free daily music downloads and full-length CD listening parties. Download it for free at winamp.com slash android. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 428. Recorded October 30th, 2013. Your questions, Steve's answers, number 177. Security Now is brought to you by IT Pro TV. Are you looking to upgrade your IT skills or prepare for certification? IT Pro TV offers engaging, informative tutorials streamed right to your Roku, your computer, or your mobile device. For 50% off the lifetime of your account, go to itpro.tv slash security now and use the code SN50 and by ProXPN ProXPN is a virtual private network that allows you to use the internet the way it ought to be anonymously and without oversight for 20% off your new account go to ProXPN.com slash twit and use the code SN20 and by go to assist from Citrix Take control of your IT world from one simple cloud-based platform. Provide live or unattended support to all your users anywhere. Sign up for your 30-day free trial today. Visit gotoassist.com and use the promo code SECURITY. It's time for Security Now, the show that protects you and your loved ones online, your privacy too, with this guy right here, the explainer-in-chief, Stephen Tiberius Gibson. Hello, Mr. G. Yo, Leo. Yo, yo, yo. We have a Q&A finally. Finally, the, the universe has allowed us to actually respond to listener questions, although we've actually been doing that all along because our listeners sort of guide what we talk about based on what they're interested in. But it's we're incrementing the Q&A counter officially to 177 <laughs> So we're today. back on mod one. I don't know what mod we're on, but we're, <laughs> we're even episodes mod. are now Q and A's. Oh, this is an even episode, so we're mod we're mod zero. I think we are. Yes. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. We we're even parody. <laughs> hey, um, a programming note before we get yep. into uh, the we got security news. We have questions and answers, but we don't are, panic anyone though because it's for it's for 2013. This is not till next. Oh, wait. This no, is, 2014. Yeah, you and I both are finally figuring out that the year is yeah, okay. now 2013. Can you believe tomorrow's Halloween? It doesn't even feel like tomorrow's Halloween to me. Happy I New guess Year. I, have, uh, I don't, it's still, you know, I'm New Year's completely Day. Completely out of touch. So can you believe, first of all, that we're going into 2014? Wow. Now, here's a little tip for you youngsters. <laughs> when you get old, <laughs> you, and you remember years like 1982, vividly, Fondly. as an adult... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or then, 73 when you graduated from high school. The great, a yeah. good year, 73. 
Well, those were the days, my friend. Mm -hmm. uh, when you say 2014, it sounds like you're living in the future. Right, yeah. John? John says so, too. Uh, so we're going to 2014 as of the f now. The 6th. The 6th, because, yeah, the s January 6th, 2014, this show is moving. Don't panic. I know that you may have conflicts. That's why we're telling you now so you can rearrange your life to uh, fit our new time. We are moving the show. And a, a number of shows are moving because, and I'll explain why. Uh, it's not Steve. It's me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to get two days off in a row. I haven't had that in, like, a long time. I wanted, in effect, a weekend. I can't. I always work weekends, but at least I can get a Thursday and a Friday off. So we're moving shows around so that I will be working now uh, Saturday through Thursday will be my five-day week. And um, and so in order to do that, Steve has very kindly agreed to uh, juggle his schedule a little bit. The full schedule is on our blog, inside.twit.tv. Security Now will now be Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific. That's 4 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 2100 UTC starting January 6th. And it's good for me. I've one of the when I was talking to Lisa about this, um, she was initially proposing Monday, and for me that was a problem because I often do so much prep for the podcast that that would have sort of messed up my Sunday because I would be worrying about the Monday podcast yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, and so anyway, so we by putting me to Tuesday at one. It gives me essentially all of Tuesday up until the podcast. So I get two more hours on oh, the good. day of the podcast. Oh, and so I think what I'll end up doing is just, you know, I mean, I worked on the podcast all this morning. And because it was a Q&A, I figured, okay, I can, I, I can get it all done in just one day. But sometimes I start the day before. Certainly when I'm doing new heavy content stuff, I'm researching it often for days leading up to the podcast. Know, so, so, so this is good for me. So 1, 1 p.m., uh, Pacific. Pacific time on Tuesday. So a day earlier and two hours later. Uh, and there are a few other shows uh, moving. You can see the uh, entire schedule, as I said, at inside.twit.tv. None of this happens till next year, till 2014. Right. Um, and the other advantage, uh, if you don't watch live, the you'll get the show a day earlier uh, for download. You'll get it now on Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening instead of Wednesday afternoon or evening. Yes, the Google Calendar will adjust, of course, uh, if you download or subscribe to our calendar at twit.tv, it will automatically adjust for you. It, most of the shows are not changing. Tech News Today is not moving. Um, but, uh, you know, Twit's not moving. The tech guy's not moving. But a few of the weekday shows are moving around a little bit. Um, and almost all just my shows. Uh, but thank you for being accommodating that. And I apologize to anybody that, yeah. uh, that that's messing with your schedule. Uh, it's we don't like to do this and we won't do it again but i having thursday and friday off will be a boon for me and really you don't do it often i think we've made one change to me right. in eight or nine years right. so well i know people want you know people want consistency there's no reason to change it you know willy-nilly but we right. want we want to have it if you go to january 6th on the google calendar it actually apparently is already changed thank you replicant um so uh, that out of that bit way. of programming note. Yes. yes. What are we What are we doing today? We have a Q and A. We've got eight questions because I try to balance the length with the question count, and a lot of this is retrospective to last week, following up on various topics um, from last week. Lots of interest in Crypto Locker, of course, which we we talked about um, 
Also, last week, we've, I've got feedback from people who have been infected and recovered, recovery stories. Uh. There are, there, there's remediation tools. There's a great page uh, with great information. I, I was tweeting a lot as I was putting things together so that I would get this out into my Twitter feed. Uh, so just lots of great stuff to talk about. That is very timely, and I'm glad to hear there is remediation. Yeah. Um, Steve uh, talked about this, of course, last week. We we had him on the radio show because we wanted the, the unwashed masses to hear this. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that while you're having a cup of coffee. Almost got you. <laughs> I didn't take. spit it out. No. <laughs> and, I know uh, you well enough to know <laughs> what it was coming. Come. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, we also put it on Twit. And so I, I think we did our best to get the word out. Um, and I and uh, I hope we've succeeded on that. All right. Well, before we get to the uh, security news, if you don't mind, can I talk about uh, some really great guys that uh, uh, came by the other day and uh, wanted to show us what they're up to? And I was so thrilled that we said, "Let's do some ads for IP." I'm sorry, IT. I always say IP. IT Pro TV. Um, if you're learning or you want to learn certs, if you uh, want to have an A plus certificate or a Microsoft certificate. Um, you might want to check this out. It is really a cool site. If you go to itpro.tv slash security now, uh, you can uh, save some money on your subscription, save a lot of money on your subscription. These guys uh, said we were inspired by the screensavers uh, to create. He says, actually, let me read this right here. Welcome fans wow. of security now. IP, I'm sorry, itpro.tv has a long history with the Twit Network. We've been listening to and watching Twit and all of the other shows for over 10 years. The love of technology and enthusiasm to explore every facet of what, about, what is out there is something we share in common with all the Twit hosts. And you can see that influence throughout the site from how we film our shows. They use TriCasters. They use the same. Everything that we use, they, uh, they duplicate it, which is great. And they have great, great hosts. They do it live and on demand, just as we do. They have a Roku channel. Um, and because they're uh, doing it live, they can also uh, take uh, – they have a chat room and they can take live questions. So that is – this is a really great if you, great way if you want to learn – let's see what they're, what they're going. Yeah, they're – are they live now? Let's see. If you want to learn uh, – yeah, look, code, networking. I love this. From the actual host ID when we, are, uh, when we do this. So I invite you to go to itpro.tv and uh, watch some of the uh, live programming. These bits have to match. This is so. This is this is what I kind of wish we could do. Frankly, I wish we could get really down and geeky with this stuff. He's he's talking right now about subnet masks. Wow, nice. Yeah, stuff you need to know uh, for your MCSE or your Cisco cert or for your A plus. They do all three. It's about the matching bits versus the non-matching bits. And that's got to be a clear concept that you're going to have. At the point that we're So he's prepping people for the exam, for the test, for the certification, which is awesome. Uh, you can get the whole run of the place, all the episode libraries, everything they've done, watch live. They do CompTIA, A+, Net+, Security+, MCSA, and Cisco CCNT or CCENT and CCNA uh, certifications are coming soon. Um, this is just a really, really nice site. Really well done. And we're going to get you 50% off. And not for the first month or year, but forever. If you use our offer code security or SN50. So visit security, uh, I'm sorry, ITPRO, ITPRO dot TV slash security now. 
even the even the set here looks like the screensaver set. And they said we did that on purpose. See the giant, the PC fan in the background. I love this. This is beautiful. They really wow. I'm kind of yeah. jealous. <laughs> they really did it right. Nice guys too when they came by. It was just really great. I think uh, you got to check it out and, and watch. You can watch live stream for free for a little bit and just get an idea of what they do. I T P R O dot TV slash security now and the offer code is SN50 to save 50% forever. They add 20 hours every week. They do they do basically as much as we do. It's kind of it's I'm just thrilled. People, Where are they located? Uh, I think they said Florida. I'm not sure. Oh okay. So they they, they were they were physically at, at the They studio? came by to say hi before they oh. uh, bought the advertising. They said, "Hey, take a look." And I said, "What well, looks like the screensavers?" They said, "Yep." And they yeah. said, "We it said they said we've got a tricaster." Uh, they've been they've been actually they they saw me talk at the NAB show a couple of years ago, and they bought the same cameras, same microphones, same lights, same TriCaster. They must have invested a huge amount of money. They've been doing this for ten years, you know, in general. But they really wanted. They thought, why isn't it more like this? And I think this is so great. Easy cancellation, no hassle. They've got the values. They share our values, and that's uh, yeah. So when they came by, it was really nice, really great to see them. Uh, and very, I tell you, the the cost of this is less than one book to study for the certs. Uh, normally fifty seven dollars a month, five hundred seventy dollars a year for everything, with fifty percent off. We're talking twenty eight fifty a month. That's a great deal. Anyway, let us. I, you know, I just it makes me. If I swell with pride to see uh, people who have, and you have this experience, I'm sure. People come up to you all the time and say, you know, I watched you and I got inspired and I got into the business. We we have classrooms that use security now for curricula. Yeah. Um, we have uh, uh, people come up all, and, you know, I, I still, people come up and say, look at me. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've lost 50 pounds thanks to Steve. So <laughs> it's weight yeah. loss and security. <laughs> <laughs> we got you covered. We got you covered. So what's new in security We're going to keep you alive longer, and we're going to make sure you're safe we while can't you're... Yeah, we can't afford to lose any, uh, any fans. We want you all to live a long, long time. So I picked up on a little tidbit that somehow escaped me until I was doing some background research on yesterday's release of version 25 of Firefox. Somehow I had missed the fact that they update Firefox every 42 days. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Isn't that hysterical? I love yeah. that. Uh, geeks, so, I, you gotta love them. Uh huh. Yeah. And of course, everybody knows what forty-two is. That's just not a random number. That's an important number in, within our culture. Absolutely. And and so what this means is that they're they're constantly moving the code forward, and essentially they do a a stable drop of where they are every forty-two days increment the major version number from in this case from 24 to 25 and say here's what's new in 25 now in this case there there's one interesting set of improvements that our listeners will really care about a lot um there's a they they fleshed out the web audio api basically they're sort of continuing to move firefox f forward in standards uh, you know, this like like the big web standard. So the web audio API is now complete. 
And apparently that is of most significant importance to gamers. This allows a fully web browser-based real-time audio gaming level experience just using the native browser with no third-party plugins or or you know extra outside the browser paraphernalia required. So that's one thing. Also, I had noticed that the find window when you want to find text on a page that when you change tabs, the find window stays, which I guess is useful to some people who want to find the same thing across pages, but they've, the Mozilla folks felt that that wasn't the typical case. So now find is no longer shared among pages. But, um, oh, and then also if you've been gone for like, when if you've stopped using Firefox for months, and then you come back to it. <laughs> you, it now knows that. And it says, oh, welcome back. You know, and, and it's, it assumes either you've been on a long vacation or you, you went off, I hope not to Internet Explorer, maybe to Google or Chrome or Opera, who knows where. But anyway, for whatever reason, you fired Firefox up again after some length of time away. And so it, says, it greets you, says welcome back, and offers to re-import another browser's history and settings into itself in case maybe you've made changes wherever you were, you've made changes and you want to, you know, update Firefox to, to make it the latest and greatest. The feature that I think is most interesting is um, that version 25, which anyone can get just by opening up Firefox and going help about. And when you open up the about box, that seems to trigger it's self-check, and it says, oh, and then it immediately starts downloading 25 if you were on 24 or, or earlier. Um, they have made more of the critical security information available to plugins. And for example, there's a, there's a plugin called Calomel, C-A-L-O-M-E-L. It's called Calomel SSL Validation. And they posted on their blog relative to or in the, the updates for their add-on relative to their Calomel SSL validation add-on for Firefox. Uh, under update number two, they said, Firefox 25 now allows the add-on to query the full cipher suite. We have added the ability to grade the connection on each part of the cipher, including key exchange, signature, bulk cipher, and message authentication code. So they have that so Firefox 25 gives them visibility into the fully granular handshake and and crypto status of your connection to the server. And so they said, we also check and grade the cipher if it supports perfect forward secrecy, PFS. Um, you and know what Calomel in, is, right? It's, no. It's a fungicide and insecticide. Merc it's mer <laughs> mercury chloride. It's called Calomel. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> it's, good. it's actually a great name. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you get 0 0.64, their version 0 0.64 for Firefox 25 you get this extra stuff that Firefox 25 now offers. Um, and I think that's cool. That would certainly be of interest to our users. 
One thing they did that I'm a little curious about is they said in their their notes that resetting Firefox, which I assume means restarting, no longer clears browsing session. And they said that, so I'm assuming that that means that session cookies span resets, which is, I guess that means that closing the tab is now what causes session cookies to be re- removed, but but closing the browser and restarting it, which reloads tabs, apparently now at, in version 25, deliberately retain session cookies. So I guess that's okay as long as people understand that. Um, that does represent sort of a stretch, but I can see where from a usability standpoint, they wouldn't, so the idea would be that like it wouldn't log you out of all of your ongoing sessions if you if you closed Firefox and restarted it immediately or reset Firefox, whatever that means, as opposed to manually closing a tab, you know, closing a window, which then would clear the session cookies for that session. So it's like, okay, well, that's an interesting change. Um, also... What we've had on the desktop since version 23 of Firefox, Android now gets, and that is guest browsing support in Android. So people who are, for whatever reason, not using Chrome, which would seem to be the default browser in Android, um, if you are using Firefox, then now there's guest browsing where you can prevent anyone who's borrowing your tablet from from seeing anything about your your browser history, it locks that and and creates a brand new personal state for the browser, which the guest then uses. And when that's closed, everything you know, all of that is flushed, and your your default browser state is restored. So uh, that's there. Oh, and uh, also mixed content blocking. We've had that for quite a while on Firefox and now Android also has that where you'll be alerted if there's any sort of mixed context mixed content games being played. Do you you mean reset or restart? Okay, what is what is reset? Is there a reset Firefox? Um I don't know, the chat room is asking that. I think you know most browsers have a uh cl- you know kind of reset clear everything. I don't know what the Firefox might call it. Yeah, um, I don't. But, but you're, I, I but you're saying restart is what you're saying. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah. that if you just close, if you just you know close it right. and then restart it, it does come back with all the tabs. And apparently now sessions, session cookies, which are typically how sessions live, though you know, you won't be logged out of all of the sessions that you were logged into across a restart of Firefox. So uh, whereas. Or you were. The chat room tells me that there is a uh, the way to get reset in Firefox, and this is actually a very handy thing to know, is if you go to about colon support, there's a big button that basically s- says go back to your initial installed state. What? Yeah. No, that can't be what they mean. Restart, restart, reset Firefox to its default state. If you're having major problems which you can't resolve, start fresh with only your essential information. Oh, I guess it does preserve some information. Huh. That's an about colon support. That's a handy thing to have, but that's not that's not germane to the that, 
Yeah, that seems that seems like a yeah, aggressive. That's yeah. that's if you've got a real you know, if there's a plug in. Something's really gone wonk crashing yes. you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So bad idea of the week, Leo. <laughs> now maybe of the year. Ooh, this this is really this bad. Went, this generated so much upheaval among our listeners, and you you probably could guess what this is, or you'll maybe agree, or you, you it must have crossed your radar. LinkedIn has decided that they want something called, they want to offer a new service called Intro. With LinkedIn Intro, you let, you, exp- you deliberately let them proxy all of your email. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. But do you, so like, you, do you send your email to LinkedIn? No, you, you, you give them your all of your login information, so they pull all of your email no. for you. I know it's a they, bad idea, but I do that myself with TripIt, for instance, in a number of places. I let them, I get allow them access to Gmail so that they can look for reservation information and stuff. Okay, well, in it's this a case, terrible then, idea if you don't want them to get your email. <laughs> oh well, I mean, it's it's. Actually, it turns out it can it can officially break attorney-client privilege. Oh yeah, sure. um, I mean it like does all kinds of bad things. Yeah, don't do it if you're because an attorney. Then, so then you get you then pull your email from them. Oh but no, I don't is, do that. Okay, but that's what this does. Oh. They modify your email oh, no. to to when they recognize people within LinkedIn. That is, are sending you email. They add, they add co- their content to your yeah, email, right. saying, "Oh, like, you know, this is this person." Here's We're, what we know about so they, them. Yeah. So they introduce you to people who are sending you email that you might not already know. It's like, oh <laughs> wow, there are ways so, to do that without doing it. Such a draconian solution. Wow. I, there's there's plugins for Chrome, for instance, Gmail plugins that will will add uh, contact information as you're looking at an email, things like that that don't require you to send your emails to yep. another. And this is this routes your email through them. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible way to do that. Well, and consider also that they lost 6.5 million LinkedIn right. accounts not long ago. Right. I mean, their security has already, you know, shown some problems. And so, oh yeah, we're, I'm going to route my mail through them. They're <laughs> storing it because it's a store and forward. So they're going to store your email on their servers, and then modify it to add their content so that and and build this as a service to you. It's like, yeah, this really sounds like a good idea. A lot of people will do it. A lot of people will do that. Uh, not our listeners. No, no. So. Anyway, wow. I saw, and everyone saw this and started tweeting me like, Steve, have you seen this? It's like, oh, okay. So um, Crypto Locker follow-up. Uh, we talked about it at length finally last week. Um, I got a tweet from a Rob Pickering Monday um, who came into work and found – was greeted with the news that one of the execs – in his apparently rather major corporation, uh, got crypto lockered oh, over the weekend. Oh dear! And so Monday morning it was. Um, I have something on the screen, 
and and Rob had already heard last week's podcast, so he said, "Oh, even worse. He knew what <laughs> he knew what he was looking at." Yeah. Oh, the feeling in the pit of your stomach when you see that. And he said, "Read me exactly what it's saying." And so it was verbatim the beginning of, you know, that sort of broken English that I shared with our listeners last week. And and he did have that sinking feeling and he said, "Okay, don't touch anything. Um we'll see what we can do." So he started tweeting to me and he ended up putting up a really interesting first-person narrative experience blog posting. Unfortunately, when I tweeted that, of course, it crashed his server um, because so many people were interested in, in tracking it down. I had him produce a PDF of the page, which I then hosted so that everyone could get the PDF from me. So th- for anyone who's interested, this is in his – this is in my Twitter stream – and remember, you can always find my Twitter stream. You can obviously go to twitter.com slash sggrc. But then there's that neat guy that's aggregating my stream for me. And he's at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash sggrc. And that'll bounce you over to his page where you can easily find those tweets where I have links to both Rob's original blog post, which he has updated since, and the PDF that I that I had him make for me that I so I could host it with my bandwidth, which is hard to crash. Um, so the good news is one hundred percent recovery. They paid the ransom, they got the key, it began doing the work, and all the files came well, back. Sort so, of good news. I mean, <laughs> they're well, out three hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, but. They had files that they needed that weren't backed up anywhere. I don't know if that's and, the good news. <laughs> they gave and, 300 and, bucks to a bad guy. It's like, good news, yeah. I got mugged, but I'm not dead. Well, and, and so we hadn't, we hadn't seen, from everything I'd seen online, there were mixed results, but no affirmative affirmative full recovery report it, it look and, and we we were sort of chuckling you and i that it didn't look like the, like the bad guys had spent as much time perfecting the recovery that they the decryption that they had the encryption which of course was understandable i guess but on the at the same time if it if this thing developed the the reputation of not giving your files back when after you paid your three hundred dollars then people would stop paying the three hundred dollars so, anyway, it it does successfully decrypt as long um, as law enforcement hasn't shut down the server with the keys. True, true, and that has been happening also. An, another <laughs> listener, Tony Casaza, uh, 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 I guess C A S A Z Z A, he tweeted earlier this morning. My client just called up with crypto locker virus. They are paying the ransom. Cross my fingers, it works. And and then, and then a bit later, he wrote. Uh, oh, I I sent back to him. I said, you know, good luck. So far, as far as we know, it does. And he says, thanks for the reply. Wait, just got message. Payment activated. Decrypting files. Holding my breath. So, the bad news is these guys are making a ton of money. As you said, Leo. I mean, it's a mixed blessing. They are making a ton of money. Um, and this is why it was immediately clear to me last week that this was the new normal. 
I mean, Ugh. this was what we're well, going to see. It, it, I just hope awareness uh, of this spreads as fast as possible. That's why I put you on every venue I had. Yeah. Uh, because if people back up, then they don't have to give 300 bucks to these guys. And I really think that giving them 300 bucks is is not the ideal outcome because it just, as you point out, encourages it's it. Gonna, it's going to encourage it. Yeah. But on an individual level, what choice do they have? No, I, I mean, no, you know, I understand. That's why you be proactive. Yep. <laughs> Back it up. Yep. And how come he didn't have a backup? Well, well I, I, this is a business him. and you don't have backups? <laughs> well, this was the, the executive's personal machine at home on the oh, weekend. Oh, it's the nitwit executive. Oh, yeah. That's the problem <laughs> with the, you know, executives. Yeah, yeah. Well, those yeah. those those darn. I'm C sure the, the business was well backed up and wouldn't have a problem here. It's the executives. No yes, yeah, the C level. No doubt. Guys. Well, well the exec I did, I in fact, in a way, that's Darwinian. Executives should have to pay three hundred dollars just for being executives. <laughs> Darwinian. Uh, I I did. I have also heard of of instances where someone in a corporation had the shared drive mapped to a drive letter. And it encrypted the corporate drive. So Ooh, we, that's we, what we, we were worried about. Yes, we've had confirmation that if that, that it is going after drive letters, and if so, it will enumerate the drives and go look for anything out any enumerated drives on the system. Wow. So it did reach into a shared server and encrypted those documents. So be careful. Back up. Yeah. Please, yeah. I beg of you. Well, and the issue of hot and cold backup then, of course, becomes yeah. very yeah. germane yeah. because if it, I mean, you, so you need you need versioning backup where the versions are deep enough that you will recognize the problem and still have backups that predate the 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 the, the moment of encryption and when your backup snapshot occurred. There's I good mean, news. Is, I mean, this isn't a hard thing to do. Both Macintosh and Windows have versioning backups available, Time Machine and I forget what mm -hmm. Microsoft calls it, folder thingamabob. They're, 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 they're snapshots. Yeah. So you, so you absolutely can do this without uh, any expense or really even much trouble, but do it. Yeah. Yeah. So two Snowden updates. One is a few days old. Well, okay, Monday. Uh, and I, this just sort of crossed my, my view, and I thought, well, this is sort of sad. And that was, this is via Reuters that reported that British Prime Minister David Cameron said on Monday uh, his government was yeah. likely to act to stop newspapers from publishing what he called damaging leaks from former U.S. intelligence operative Edward Snowden, unless they began to behave more responsibly. This is why we need I WikiLeaks. I know. Quoting him, he said, quote, if they don't demonstrate some social responsibility, it will be very difficult for government to stand back and not to act, Cameron told Parliament, saying Britain's Guardian newspaper had, quote, gone on to print damaging material after initially agreeing to destroy other sensitive data. So, wow. <sighs> and then this morning's news. Um, there's a link that I, there, I have in the show notes, Leo, if you want to click it and bring up a picture, because this, this Washington Post article, which, which copies something that The Guardian had posted, 
um, I assume it was in The Guardian. I'm, maybe I'm not so sure now, but The Washington Post did a picture of today's most recent slide courtesy of Edward Snow. Now, I have to warn you, if you are a government worker... Oh, uh, right. That, what, what I am about to do will force you to burn your computer and hand in your badge or whatever it is that you have to do. Because if I show this classified slide... Uh, on a non-classified, on a non-classified computer. computer, you got to tell your boss. So yep. turn off the podcast now or get a better job. <laughs> Think about the private sector. So what this slide shows... This doesn't for... look like a slide. This looks like a Post-it note. <laughs> well, it is yellow. <laughs> it's a Post-it note. It's yellow and handwritten. So this shows on the left is the public internet cloud with all of the regular things out there showing SSL encrypted links going to something called (laughs) a... If this is a PowerPoint slide, we are in more trouble than I thought. (laughs) It's also got a smiley face on it. (laughs) This is so depressing. There's a smiley face. (laughs) So, So this shows all of that. And something called a GFE box, which stands for the Google front end. And then behind the GFE, the Google front end, is another cloud showing Google data centers exchanging data not encrypted. And what we now know is that the NSA had, and there's a name for this program that the story discusses, um, there is a, that another part of the program is the NSA deliberately tapping Google's cloud communications, which have been decrypted by the Google front end and are in the clear. This is where the smiley face appears. It's uh, right under the uh-huh. GFE. SSL added and removed here. Smiley face. This, I so, don't, I'm sorry, this doesn't, this feels un, not credible to me. Like this is, the NSA would do this? Like this post-it note with a smiley, with a smiley face? Well, they're not known for their graphics. You know, their their prior slides have, are not award-winning uh, in terms of their design. so This is the most ghetto slide I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the bad news is, I mean, it makes sense. What, you know, the way SSL operates, um, one of the things you often do is you run, you run a, a major SSL provider will have accelerators on their border, so-called SSL accelerators. Those, they're, they're hardware-assisted, performing all of the crypto work in or and so the the SSL communication is point to point between the SSL accelerator and the user and then inside that you have a non SSL encrypted connection it is decrypted by the accelerator because the accelerator is is tuned specifically often with with, with you know strong hardware crypto um, technology to to deal with with the the, the bandwidth and the extra SSL um, handshaking and then inside 
you don't have that. So it entirely makes sense that that at some point this is the what was going on and the slide the 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 slide tells us that the S, that the NSA was deliberately tapping essentially in the cloud that is as this data was which is with you know private google ips and point to point but it does in order to go from one data center to the next it's traversing the public internet even though it's private ip to private ip nsa knew that they knew it was decrypted and they arranged to tap it this uh, the tool is called muscular uh-huh and uh, the reason the british don't like these revelations is because it's operated jointly with gchq the british uh spy agency so the yeah the british equivalent yeah, of rsa yeah so that's why david cameron's so peeved yeah so more from more more details and and judging this feels credible. I mean, I gotta say the post it does doesn't feel credible, but the but the but the information therein is perfectly reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they if they weren't doing it, they're probably thinking about doing it now. <laughs> so a little quick um, instant messaging uh, follow up. Uh, I talked about the BlackBerry Messenger and its phenomenal number of downloads yeah. since it was released. It was. What was it, 10, 10 million in yeah. the first day? Downloaded, now, I wonder if used, but anyway, that's I downloaded it, and as well, soon as I looked at it, I went, this is horrible. Well, and now we're at 20 million in one week. Wow. And what? And, 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 uh, uh, Boy Genius Reports did a follow-up where they showed that not only was it 20 million in the first week, but they had surprisingly held their position among the very top iOS and Android downloads throughout that entire week. Boy Genius said that, you know, many times something will spike and you'll see it's, you know, in the top 10 for a day, then it immediately drops back down. BBM, the BlackBerry Messenger, has has held its position for seven days, which they said was really unprecedented. I mean, that it had that kind of staying power. So, you know, and and uh, I, I did install it like you. It happened that uh, our our podcast friend, uh, Simon Zarafa, who's who often tweets, I happened to see him. He tweeted something and I, I sent him a, a, a message with my BBM uh, ID. And so we, we, we sort of ex- we played with BlackBerry Messenger a little bit for, you know, 10 minutes. And it was like, eh, OK, well. I, you know, other people explained that they, the reason it was so powerful was that it had good group messaging features. Apparently that that's one of the, the strengths. Yeah, so does every other, you know, so does WhatsApp yeah. and everything else. This and, is, and the, of course, you know, the 90s are calling. They want your messenger back. I don't <laughs> think this is state of the art by any means. The real reason people are downloading it is because they still know people. That's how they communicate with them on BBM. Right, because uh, you need their BBM number. I mean, it doesn't even go by name; it goes by PIN, which is right. You nuts. need you need their PIN, yeah. and and the thing that I wanted to do, which is why I brought it up initially last week, was to disabuse people of the belief that it was somehow really strong security. Right. It's not. So, so I wanted to let people know. Yes, you know, from 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 everything I've seen 
threema, T-H-R-E-E-M-A, that we also discussed last week, is really strong, and I have pl- also played with it. And I don't have a, I don't have a, a pressing need for point-to-point encryption. I'm happy with iMessage on my new iPhone, um, but if I do need really strong point-to-point encryption, Threema was would be, I think, my app of choice. Um, you know, there are alternatives, but uh, Threema really looks like they did it right. So many people have Threema'd me now uh because uh of this and i re- i have responded uh, you know i've kind of done the same thing i did with pgp which is yep your threema's working we are connected you and i are connected via threema but we haven't yet exchanged qr codes we have to do that in person over right. a glass I think, of fine um, cabernet right i think i associate it with my email address and since That's you have right. my email exactly. address my email address in your account it said oh somebody you know is using threema and then it, it was able to to connect you. So. You know, it's nice, though, like um, Threema, uh, like PBM, but for privacy reasons, doesn't associate it with a name in many cases. So when I get a, a Threema from Correct. somebody, it's just a number. It's a, an ID number. And uh, you're able to give them a you're – you're, you're able to assign that account your own nickname. Yes. And, and it suggests that you not use your real name, yes. but rather that you use a, a handle that, that you're comfortable with, you know, not being – we're comfortable with somebody else seeing. So, do is this a TNO solution though? Really, it's not. It absolutely is. It is. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. I I meant to do. Since I talked about it last week, I ran across much more detailed information about their cryptography. I mean, for example, they're using the same elliptic curve stuff. They chose the same, exactly the same stuff I chose for Squirrel. These guys said this is the right one, yeah. and so it's like, wow! And it's done on not- your it's done on your device. It's not done on their server. Nothing stored on their server unencrypted. Nothing a- goes a- to their server unencrypted. It's like PGP. Yes. You encrypt it on your end, send it. They do hold it so that they can have a store and forward briefly for fourteen days. Yeah, um, but it's it yeah so. It it uses ellipt it uses Dan Bernstein's ECC the same uh, two fifty five nineteen elliptic curve technology that I chose to use for Squirrel, which is you know been looked at a lot and as far as we know I mean it's it's completely NSA proof um so there so your your Threema client generates a public key pair the private key never leaves you the public key then is what you want to the reason that they have these three dots is that you want to obtain a level of confidence that the public key belongs to who you really believe it does because authentication then is the challenge after you've achieved privacy you want to make sure you're not subjecting yourself to a man in the middle attack by having someone you know someone gives you their public key you give them yours thinking that they are somebody else and then they turn around and give that to you know theirs to the other person and establish a man in the middle position right so that 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 that's why there's this red orange and green three dots is the level of 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 certainty and so for example you and i would have orange level two dots because we used our email address books to to identify each other more than just exchanging the 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 public key itself and if our you know when we meet we we can aim our phones at each other they will then do a first person 
you know, phone to phone public key exchange, and that will bring us up to green level, which is we're absolutely sure that we have each other's public keys. And uh, so, and so, yeah, I'm very, very pleased with with Threema. I think it's a neat idea, and it does. I don't. It doesn't do. Maybe it does group. I haven't, but it does do multimedia, so you can send images and and all that. Yep, it's not group. It's just point to point. Point to point. That makes sense. You couldn't do group, probably. Well, it'd be more more tricky to do that. More tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. Good. I've been using. Put it on my front page. Yeah, so it's there. Now, should for, I hold up my QR code to, and, and put it on camera and let everybody take it? You know, I was tempted to post mine right. on like on my own website just because it's like, hey, here's my QR code. Yeah, and that would allow everyone to get green dots, which is sort of nice. And is there any reason so, not to do that? Yeah, for me, if, if you would, you would want to be on SSL. That and of course, GRC is a hundred percent SSL right. because then the 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 real you know, the security knee-jerk people would say, wait a minute, you know, a man-in-the-middle attack could have changed that image and you wouldn't know that it was real. But, you know, but yes, you could hold it up on, like, on the podcast right now, on the video, and there it would be. So anyone could, whose phone was able to scan it's my that, It's my public key. It's your public key. That's all it is. So the only negative to this would be that then everybody would know my Threema code, it, not just my friends. Correct, and they and so you could you could get spammed. Anyone could could send you well, stuff. Anybody on who watches Security Now is my friend. <laughs> That's right. Right. So there's my Threema QR code right there. I'll just hold that there for a second. You don't need it for very long. You just do a screen grab and yeah. I think that's cool. good enough resolution. I'm really amazed by the the. Uh, we've talked about this before. How much redundancy and how how effective a QR codes actually are. Yep, yeah. they are. They're very reliable. Varying levels of of error correction. It uses you know strong error correction because in many situations, like where where there might be a poster, uh, you know the, the the poster could be physically damaged. Sometimes people will even put logos in the middle of the QR code, which is completely violates the encoding. <laughs> but there's but so they, much redundancy. It, there's so much error correction around. that it'll yeah. just error correct right around the weird little logo in the middle. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's cool. I do well, too. and speaking of QR codes, we have officially renamed Squirrel. It's still S- No, no, it's still SQRL, but it stands for Secure Quick Reliable Login. Uh, you've retronimed it. We've retro-nimmed it, yes. Um, the problem was too many people were thinking all it was was QR codes. Right. And it's evolved way past that so that you don't need a smartphone. You don't need, you know, it's like, well, what? how do I log in on my phone? Well, you just tap the QR code. How do I log in on my computer? You just click on the QR code. You don't have to scan it with your phone. And so we did, we decided we would, I mean, it's I like nothing that. else Secure, has changed. quick, reliable logins. I like it. Login. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's funny because I just changed the title on the web pages yesterday, and when I looked at it for the first time, I thought, ah, I that really works. I like that. So we have a, a person in our in our news group, Monty, who who said, you know, because and he's been out browsing around the net, seeing what other people are saying, and he says everyone's getting tangled up in the QR code part. They're saying, right. well, I don't have a phone, or I don't right. like QR right. codes, right? Blah I blah. Think blah. That's it's like okay, yeah. Let's back away from QR codes and just say secure because it is secure, quick, and reliable. Good. Log in. I like it. Hey, before now, we get to uh, your yep. miscellany, okay. Before we get to the Gordon Shumway 
project. Because <laughs> I, I learned something from this. This is good. I like it. I, I, I was kind of, I misunderstood really what Gordon Shumway uh, stood for, but we'll talk or Shumway in general. But we'll talk about that yeah. in a second. But first, I want to remind folks if if you're in the uh, business of transmitting data over the internet that it is a dangerous place. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, if you're in an open Wi-Fi access spot, people always ask us, "Is should I just not do anything there?" When we always say, "Well." Understand that everybody can see everything that's not SSL encrypted, which is oftentimes more than one would think. I guess it's getting better now, thank goodness. Facebook's finally doing SSL. Well, but email, if you do email to a regular email SMTP right. server, it's often not SSL. Right, and it's surprisingly large number of email providers still don't encrypt the password login. That would be the single worst thing that could happen in an open access spot, that you have an unencrypted email login and password. Because a guy could capture that, and you would never know. He would never have to do anything with it. He could just sit there and read your email anytime he wanted to, because how often do you change your email password? And it's classically, you just run Wireshark on a right. machine Easy. in an open Wi-Fi, and you see all of these email accounts yeah. going by. It's really easy. So... Uh, We've often said that the you know the real way to secure yourself on an open Wi-Fi access spot is an open VPN uh, login, and of course uh, some people are you know pretty sophisticated and have the capability to run their own open VPN server. Uh, most are not, and it's probably a violation of your terms of service with your ISP, et cetera, et cetera. So, in comes ProXPN, our sponsor. ProXPN does the open VPN for you. They are an open VPN provider. You will, uh, you know, log into their server from wherever you are, and all the data from you to them is encrypted. And in fact, you don't even emerge unencrypted on the public internet until you get out of their server, which has a secondary value. Not only is it private at that open access spot, but you can emerge anywhere you wish on the internet. They have servers in Dallas, Seattle, London, Singapore, Los Angeles, New York City, and Amsterdam. More coming all the time. That means you emerge from that point. Eliminating geographic restrictions. If you want to watch uh, the BBC, you can emerge in London. And suddenly David Cameron's your prime minister, too. Uh, this is a really sweet system. Uh, very affordable. They do have a free service, but I think in most cases you're going to want to go with the paid service. Uh, normally $10 a month, $75 a year. But we have a special offer. Use the offer code SN20. You'll get 20% off. Not, not just... Initially, but forever. What? Twenty percent off forever. So that means we're talking less than five bucks a month on the yearly plan. Visit proxpn.com/twit, and uh, you'll see the twit welcome, and then you can get that offer code SN two zero for a very very good deal. Twenty percent off for the life of your account. They also have, and I want to. Uh, this is really good news. If you're on mobile, it used to be in the old days with mobile, you'd pretty much be stuck with PPTP. You can now do a VPN on uh, iOS and Android thanks to their apps. They have a new Android app, which is fabulous, free on the Google Play Store. Pro XPN. Don't th I know it's open VPN, but they're Pro XPN, so don't get that wrong. ProXPN.com slash twit. We thank them so much for their support now uh, for some time of uh, security now. They're really on the right show. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I did wait. want to follow up a little bit on my 
discussion last week just briefly of Squirrel's new I what we call ID lock oh, or identification. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Um, identification lock. Um, I had just released it. You know, remember I'd spent a couple hours at Starbucks and figured out a protocol. Um, and I had just put the page up and I'm not going to try to describe it on the podcast um, because it's tricky. Yeah. Um, what I wrote was, I said, and, and this is on the the ID lock page, so it's completely documented on an, an, in the Squirrel pages at GRC. And I started by saying the identity lock protocol is admittedly a bit tricky. It needs to be more complex than Squirrel's comparatively straightforward identification protocol because its requirements are more complex while operating. It must be able to generate and provide something to every web server so that its identity can later be proven. But what it generates and provides to each web server cannot in any way identify it to the server since the Squirrel system provides strong anonymity guarantees to prevent web servers from having anything they might compare to identify and track users. And on top of that, since it must be truly hacker-proof, the system that generates this identity-proving information must not itself be able to prove its own identity. Otherwise, a compromised or hacked squirrel client could be used to maliciously prove its identity in order to unlock and alter a user's website identification. So, we need to be able to provide anonymous identity proof without being able to prove our identity. And <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> okay. That's confusing. And so, and, and, well, no, I mean, it is. And, and, and people in the news group have, like, have studied the protocol and understood it because it's, it's, I mean, it's not like it's super voodoo. It's not that complicated, but it's just a little too cumbersome for me to describe verbally. Right. But I wanted to, to invite our listeners who are curious to go check out the identity lock page. I just finished a rewrite late last night because, because the way it sort of evolved, it ended up being clunky. So I went through and I, I cleaned it up and, and unified the naming that I'd used. And it, it's clearer now than it was. But it's, it's pretty nifty because the, the cool thing is as you're using Squirrel just during the day and you're associating your, your Squirrel ID to new websites, the, the, the Squirrel client is, is at the same time providing information which locks your identity so that if the worst happened and someone were ever to hack your your squirrel client, they could not change your identity. They couldn't lock you out of your accounts. And what that also means is if you if you discovered that someone had apparently been logging in as you, which is the is what, what could happen if they somehow hacked your 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 squirrel you know, your squirrel password and, and master key, if they got a hold of that then you can, by then loading this, 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 this identity unlock key, 
which is always offline. No, no part of it lives in your squirrel client, but you can you, you get this out of your drawer where you've been saving it, then you're able to preemptively change your identity and essentially take it back from bad guys that may have gotten it. So you are able to take back your identity if it were ever to escape. And because none, that ability does not live in the client, bad guys can't do that. So it, we're, no, we're really making great. great progress. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. So Shumway. <laughs> so thrilled. Re- remember last week, I was, I was just like, Leo, why does this sound so familiar? Why? <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out what it, I mean, like, Shumway, why is that? I felt like it was current. Right. Well, the mystery was solved thanks to people who listen to the show and know and listen to me and know the things I'm doing and watching. But it turns out, first of all, where Mozilla came up with Shumway, remember that this, that this Mozilla Shumway project was them, was their code name for their project to build a native JavaScript-based Flash VM. They were going to basically host a Flash virtual machine, run Flash files without needing to load Flash, the Flash plugin, in the same way that they now, for example, are able to give us PDFs um, reading natively in the browser without needing to load an external PDF plugin. So that was Shumway. So it turns out, Thanks to a bunch of people who tweeted that that Gordon Shumway is the is I guess was Alf right, and we said that okay, maybe you didn't I didn't hear me. We said that because the, uh, the chat room came up with that one. Oh, and yeah. then and then I guess Flash Gordon inspired the naming of Gordon Shumway of Alf. So because so, Alf. <laughs> So, they, so you have Flash Gordon, and that's where the Flash comes from, and then Gordon Shumway. So they're like two of these, th- two of these weird references linked together yeah, yeah. to get to it. But what, the reason it was so familiar to me was Julia Shumway is one of the characters in Under the Dome, which, you know, I read the book. That's and then where I've, you'd heard it, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's why it was so familiar to me, was just like, Shumway, what, what, have we been, what have we been talking about recently that is Shumway? And it was, it was Julia Shumway, who's one of the characters in Under the Dome. So that's what that mystery was. I just got a, 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 a threema from somebody who said, thank you, I work for a group of doctors, and now they can text each other. Ah, they really can. HIPAA compliant. Since all messages yes. are encrypted, this is going to make us more secure for the new yes. 2014 regulations. Yes. That's great. I mean, it, it is absolutely secure. Yeah. They, those guys did it right. And they've, they've freely talked about how they're doing it, yeah. which, you know, it, which, you know, you have to these days. Leo, there's, yes. I've had a big change in my life. Steve, 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 I, you I, cannot get married again. It's just, go ahead. It's fortunately that there's no, no sign of that happening. Jenny is as uninterested as I am. I love Jenny. Um, She's great. She is. You two uh, are a very good couple. You kind of remind well, me of Lisa it, and me. There's just it's just a great relationship. She had never seen Gremlins, so we watched <gasps> Gremlins. And 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 first of all, when she saw that it was Steven Spielberg, she says, "Oh, yeah. that helped her a lot because yeah. she was a little skeptical, you know." And but then she knew there would be a story, and she really enjoyed it. She's anxious 
to to see and we will be seeing uh Ender's game on on Friday. Um I mean so yeah there's there's a lot of great overlap between us. Um uh and also the fact that you know we're we're happy as we are. No, the big change for me <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. Let me guess. You're not switching to T. You got an iPhone or is that an Android? I switched. What is that? Nope. I sw- I it's it, it's an iPhone and I've switched. Well, I, for you, I, I think I, the, you got the 5S with the fingerprint, right? I think that's a good... I did. Yeah. The problem was I could never make the change because I liked BlackBerry's keyboard right. and messaging. But I have to say that the the keyboard-aware correction on the it's iPhone yeah. is excellent. You have to. It they, takes a little while because you have to learn to trust it. So yes. you just you just type even though you know you're typing inaccurately and it somehow knows. Well, be and it should because right. it should be able to see the letter proximity right. and use adjacent keys as hints for the spell corrector, and I believe they really did it right. Um, so it, it's it's but I I contacted Verizon a couple of days ago and I said okay, I want to exchange these phone numbers. <gasps> Oh, that's and a big. So that's a big switch. It, oh, that's a yeah, I, didn't, I did not do it cavalierly. I, you know, you should have at I, least gotten a Google I, Voice number. And uh, for a while, I was carrying both of them. I yeah. thought I needed a crossover period. Yeah. So at my pocket, my my right front pocket was a little heavy for a while. But now, and I actually weighed them both. And the iPhone weighs less than the BlackBerry, mm-hmm. so I'm a little bit lighter, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm very happy so far. Good. I just, I, yeah. Oh, and I did go into Verizon and looked at the iPad Mini. Even though it's the old one, it's still going to be the size. I think that may be the one, Leo. Yeah, I can't decide. Uh, the, the reviews for the Air are now coming out because uh, they seated a, you know the big names. Yeah, uh, and uh, very positive. It's a it's eighty percent faster than the uh, previous version, which was very fast. This new A seven, and it's smaller. So I think well, the problem is you don't. You could go in and play with an Air. Uh, starting uh, Friday, so maybe that's what you should yeah. do. Yeah, and then I don't know if you say, "Well, that's still a little big." Then hold off. We still don't have a ship date for the mini with Retina. I know, but the mini it, it's like enough bigger than the iPhone that you can actually do real work on it. I think. I mean, you can you know re- oh, totally. really easily, oh totally, you yeah. know, really reread web. Well, I mean, it's the same resolution right. as the larger it's pad, just, down just a yeah. smaller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that may be the one. So. Um, okay, now this is... You're going uh, all Apple, dude. I am. I And things are like sinking. It's amazing. I like know. it knows it what works. my tabs are and on different... It's like I'm getting all this cloud benefit. So See, it really yeah, is 2013 now. Beginning to happen. So this is an odd... I just I, I ran across this from Justin in Lacey, Washington. And the subject line caught my eye when I was going through the mailbag this morning. It said... Spinrite helps to uncover lazy employees. And I thought, what? <laughs> so never, never thought of using it for that. Well, he said he wrote, several employees were given a stack of hard drives to wipe with a company approved wiping software for disposal. I decided to run Spinrite on some of them. I'm not sure exactly what the wiping process entails, but the end result I know is that the same ASCII character 
is repeated across the entire hard drive. While running Spinrite and peering into the drive, into the drive through Spinrite's real-time analysis window, several drives came up showing me data other than what I knew I should see on a wiped drive. Recognizable file information, file names, corporate data, etc., And since each drive was assigned to employees by hard drive serial number, it was easy to track down the person who was simply deleting the partition table and calling the drive wiped. No, no, no. We've never talked about this, but but in Spinrite 5, there used to be a large area of the real-time analysis uh, window or screen that in that had a bunch of data that became obsolete in Spinrite 5. So I thought, hmm, what am I going to put in there? And I thought, well, I'll just show the drive data. And so it's really, it's actually kind of fascinating because you can watch this screen while Spinrite's running and things you recognize go flashing by. Ooh, I mean, it's showing you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little scary. It's, it's showing you what's in the drive. And, I mean, it's not decrypting or anything. It's just showing you what it's reading. And so I thought this was really an interesting hack for Spinrite that I had never that had never occurred to me before, is if you want to verify that drive wiping worked, you can run Spinrite on it and just stare at that little – and stare at, you know, th- into the drive through the window and see if you see file names and data and stuff that's not – wiped or encrypted and uh so that was a kind of a cool use for spin right that had never occurred to me well there you go isn't yeah. that good news <laughs> a great way to see what's on that drive all right uh are you ready got questions you got answers you right gotcha launch right into it here with question number one in our listener driven potpourri uh from <laughs> you you got me excited a little bit for a moment John Saliti in Venice, Florida, wants positive VPN proof. Okay, he says, I'm convinced I need a VPN, but how do I know if it's working? Stephen Leo, you sold me on ProXPN. Good. I travel a great deal, and I use these scary, unsecured hotel wireless. Ooh. You know what's fun? A little fun trick if you're... Um, That's got to be the worst, Leo. <laughs> if you're on a Macintosh oh. uh, and you do that, you'll see all the other people on Macintoshes. You'll see their uh, iTunes shares. It's really fun. All their oh. iTunes libraries just pop right up. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't... I mean, there's, you know, you can't steal their music, usually. Ooh. Depends how they've set it up, of course. Uh, I sign up for ProXPN. Use the offer code SN20. Uh, I use it with my laptop and my Nexus 7 tablet. I can confirm that my IP changes after connecting to ProXPN. But here's my question. How do I know the VPN's doing its job? How do I know my traffic is encrypted? Surely there's a cool test on GRC.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's a great question. Um, you know, for a belt and suspenders person who, I mean, first of all, if you recognize... How scary that environment is! Exactly the scenario you, you talked about, Leo. And remember, in the old days, bef- when before personal firewalls and before anyone understood about f- Windows file sharing, 
people's C drives were out on the internet. I mean, that's what that, that prompted me to do Shields Up was to show people, uh, I can see your C drive, guy. So, you know, you should, you should take some precautions. Um, so, the, so his question is, how does he know it's truly encrypted? And unfortunately, there is not a cool test at GRC because GRC will see the outside the tunnel traffic after the tunnel has been decrypted prior just prior to emerging on the internet what you what so what you need is you need some kind of of what's called packet capture software now um on on a desktop machine like on windows or a mac wireshark is like the 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 standard in packet capture, relatively easy to use. And what you would do is you would run Wireshark, tell it to monitor the traffic on the on your NIC, on the network interface card or controller, on, on your actual internet interface. And just you can you you start it doing that and and then doing unencrypted things like go check your mail. And you'll probably see your mail go by right there in the clear. Um, and then you, you, if you bring up the VPN tunnel and are monitoring your network interface and do the same thing, you should see it just looking like gibberish. It will just be, I mean, looking like, you know, cartoon, car, cartoon character cussing, just absolute nonsense, nothing at all intelligible it'll completely disappear in the encrypted tunnel and there's something called android pcap and also t packet capture are two android tools um if you want to do the same sort of thing on your nexus 7 so you you definitely can if you're curious do a a before and after with and without the encryption tunnel running and then you could also do other things like you could you could if your network was set up on a hub you could run this on a hub where you could see the other trap the other computer's traffic and capture it you know in a third party situation i mean so so you, you can use packet capture in a number of ways but probably the, probably the easiest is to run it on the same machine where you've got the vpn running and then look at this at the interface, not the VPN's interface, because it'll create a, a, a virtual um, a, a virtual network interface card which you connect to. But you want to look at the physical NIC on the network, and you'll see the before and after change. Uh, it's dramatic when the tunnel is up and running, and it's really a cool experiment to run. By the way, I've done it a bunch. Everybody needs a packet sniffer in there. Yeah, in their, in their bag of tricks. Yeah, always a good yeah. thing to have. <laughs> oh, and boy, go to Starbucks, and it's oh. it's frightening. Oh, oh boy! So it's it they did they re it was Wireshark, and now it's it used to be oh, uh, or or is the new name Wireshark? Because you know I, the new name is Wireshark. Oh, okay, good. And I can't remember what it used to be. Uh, but it's free. It's open source. Really handy. Yeah. And it is the tool. In fact, it's based on the original, um, I think it's called, was it NPCAP? 
I think it was called NPCAP, um, which was a beautiful open oh, source. It used to be ethereal. Ethereal. Thank That's you, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and and that was based on the the um, uh, NPCAP library, right. which is what I originally used to build Shields up in order to add low-level packet oh, capture oh, to Windows. I later I I later wrote my own um, network interface capture at the low level because there was more stuff I wanted to do. But but you know it, it's a great packet capture library and has been ported you know to all platforms. Do you ever use NMAP? Um, That's I'm aware of, of it. Of I've just never really had a need or, for it. Yeah, yeah. I've never or had protocol. A, had a need. Uh, it's another. It's a. Secu- it's essentially a security uh, scanner that's also free and open source, and also has lo- uh, has a, a strong scripting background. Right. So you can do you can do like for example, someone did uh, mention the other day that there was an nmap sc- scanner script for like open webcams or something that we just talked about. Oh no, it was the. It was the vulnerability in the D-Link router that we discussed, where you, where um, there, if you use the, if you set the user agent to a certain string backwards, then it was able to do unauthenticated access to the user, and so someone quickly whipped up an nmap script that would just find That's them great. for you on the on the internet. It's like, oh, thank you very much. And by the way, the good news is we now know that Nmap will still be in use in 2154. Because when they hack Matt Damon's brain in Elysium, <laughs> if you close, if you look up close at the screen right. shot, it says starting Nmap 13. <laughs> That's somebody, whoever did their screens for Elysium was, uh, knew what he was doing. Yeah, I they had some that. good techies. I yeah. love that. Question two. Shall I move on? Yes. This comes from John Vandiver or Vandiver in Smithfield, Virginia, home of the fine Smithfield ham. <laughs> Stephen Leo, I thought you might be interested in this site, livingto100.com. Livingto100.com. You fill out a questionnaire, it gives you life expectancy. Thought you might want to try it out now that you're so healthy. I'm going to live to 97. I thought I could retire at 72, but I may have to launch a new career. Jim from Smithfield, Virginia. I guarantee you he doesn't eat a lot of Smithfield hams if he's going to live to 97. Yeah. So, cool. okay. First, so, well, it would be. Oh. Uh, well, it can be. First of all, I tweeted it and immediately found out from a good friend of mine that they want your email address. Uh. Then other people said that you that there's no verification at all. And so you can just put type random gibberish for your email oh, good, address. Right. So that's a good start. And and I so I and I have not tried it. I can't vouch for its accuracy, but our I thought that our our listeners might find it interesting. Living to a hundred, L I V I N G T O, then the number one zero zero dot com. And I, I don't know what they're trying to sell you or what the deal is, but and it does seem to be giving people a lot of encouragement because I had in, in the feedback that I've seen, everyone seems to be in their nineties. So either we've got an an unusually healthy uh, uh, way life of, of that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get? Tell the truth. What did you get? Oh, I haven't. I have. I just found out about it this morning, and I've been working on the podcast all morning, so I've had no time to do it. I didn't want to get myself involved, or I thought, well, I might be late for the for getting my all my notes together. Below, let's check all that you feel currently stressful. This is good. Yeah. This is good. 
So don't worry about having to give it a real email address. You can just make anything up that you I want to. I, I have, uh, they didn't ask me for email. Maybe they ask at the end. They for, do at the end, apparently. For, uh, so they can mail you the results. They bait you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jamie Brand in uh, Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, wonders about a possible way around CryptoLocker. I'm curious, says Jamie, if you happen to have a whole drive encryption turned on with TrueCrypt, would CryptoLocker be able to hijack your data? Would it prevent them from encrypting it, as it would already be locked, per se? Or would it just be an onion router situation where it would encrypt the encrypted information and you'd still be screwed? Love to know your thoughts. Also, why is it security now called This Week in Security Tech? Twist! It has a nice ring to it. Love your show. Hopefully I can get your feedback, Jamie. So... The bad news is if a system gets infected that is whole drive encrypted, then the then CryptoLocker is running in on and in the drive and can see all of your files and encrypt them. So unfortunately it is like the onion router, it is double encrypted. Uh, which is definitely not what you want. You only want it encrypted by TrueCrypt and not anything else. If the if this was a a drive offline, then it could not encrypt it. I'm assuming that the file extension that TrueCrypt uses is not among those which CryptoLocker encrypts. Normally, it just goes for things that are you know, videos and, and documents of various sorts that it finds in your in your documents file. So I don't remember what the file extension is for a true crypt container. Probably not on CryptoLocker's list because it would figure it would feel it was a waste of time, um, although it could certainly damage you if it did that. But so, yes, unfortunately, uh, and a number of people asked this, so I wanted to answer the question. Whole drive encryption of a mounted drive won't protect you. One thing that will, toward the end, the last question in our list is some interesting uh, prevention suggestions. But someone asked about a virtual machine, and that would protect you as long as the virtual machine couldn't see out into any of your other um, important files. So if you ran email in a, you know, in a VM-style virtual machine, it would be blinded to what else was there and... If, if that got infected from clicking a link in email, then you'd be okay. Just FYI. That's probably the strongest the strongest prevention I can think of. We'll have some, that we'll, as I said, we'll talk about here in a second, which is good. But as you and I talked about on the weekend, Leo, th- uh, the problem is it's a little bit in the cat and mouse category. Once this becomes popular, the authors could work their way around it. So it's not as strong as putting this, you know, putting <clears throat> your email in a virtual machine, which right. is really robust protection. Chris McCormick, Scottsdale, Arizona, has a little thought about malicious encryption, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Before we do, may I interrupt with a fine sponsor? Never an interruption when we talk about Citrix. In fact, I'm speaking specifically to the IT folks in our audience, people who are responsible for supporting, whether it's an entire network or uh, software support or anytime. You know, I support my mom. Using GoToAssist. I love GoToAssist. GoToAssist from Citrix. I uh, started using it some time ago. In fact, it, it, I think it is currently the number one uh, remote access support tool out there, and that's how I used it. But they have added a lot of features. Really, you should think of it as kind of your cloud-based uh, toolkit. Everything you need to be a support hero 
So they've got remote access, the best in the business. Eight sessions at once, unattended support. Uh, you can, from the support console, run a system assay and find out what security software is running, what's on the system. Uh, you know, it really is great that way. Uh, you can support any PC, any Mac, any mobile device from anywhere, which is kind of nice. You know, if you get the, the beeper goes off. Do people still wear beepers? The beeper goes off and uh, or you get the emergency message or whatever and... You just uh, you could you could literally do this on the road as you're as you're moving around. Then they have the go to assist monitoring, which lets you monitor the network. So you might be getting that beeper message, that text message, the email, the instant message from the go to assist monitoring, saying, "Hey, we've got a problem." So you can be proactive, running out of toner, hard drives filling up, servers down, networks down, bandwidth just slowing down, that kind of thing. You set up the dashboards. They have some a bunch of you know standard ones, but you can also completely configure your own. Uh, it has a crawler that goes over the whole network and identifies not only all the hardware but all the software, everything that's running on the network. Um, and then there's the service desk, which allows you to track, uh, you know, trouble tickets, of course, but also changes, uh, change logs, updates, all of that stuff. I mean, these are three tools that you need. And, yes, there are high-priced solutions like this. Nothing is as elegant, as simple, cloud-based, and affordable as GoToAssist. Don't take my word for it. Try it free 30 days at gotoassist.com. Our promo code is just the word security. 30 days free. Make sure you check all three modules so you can play with all three modules. Gotoassist.com. Free for 30 days when you use the promo code security. You will, I promise, be a support hero with gotoassist.com. Steve Gibson, Leo Laporte. We're answering questions from our vast and brilliant, if you don't mind me sucking up a bit, listening audience chris mccormick great listeners yeah i do i really like that uh because they just they ask great questions i'm sure you enjoy this uh chris uh, had a thought about malicious encryption while you were discussing the recent trend of malicious encryption in other words crypto locker the mm. first of many i'm sure uh an idea formed in my head if you were to back up a static backup a static never changing file from your computer to a secure backup could you use this file to determine the key used to encrypt the recently encrypted version of the file on your hard drive after the attack? In other words, kind of figure out what the encryption was to reverse it. Seems it would be trivial once the algorithms used by the attacker determined love the show. Well, so that's interesting. We've never talked much about cryptanalysis. Um, we've touched on it here and there. But essentially what Chris is talking about is a huge area of cryptanalysis and it's got some well understood terms a known plain text attack and in some cases a chosen plain text attack the idea is that the question is if you knew what the the unencrypted data was that is the plain text that's the, so known plain text can you learn anything useful in like what the what the key is that was used to encrypt that known plain text because presumably you already have the encrypted text and then then a, a slight a variation on that is the so-called chosen plain text attack where and that's a situation where the person trying to crack the encryption is somehow able to put their own tests in 
and see what the, the plain text they choose is turned into, and that gives them, in some cases, more control. Well, the good news is, well, the good news for most of us who want strong encryption is that AES and any modern cipher, I mean, the, 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 the so-called known plain text and chosen plain text attacks are like the basis of cryptography. So any recent cipher will absolutely not leak information about about what the uh, about like the encryption key used even if a someone trying to learn what that was had both the the plain text and the encrypted cipher text at their disposal which is what what Chris is suggesting so modern ciphers are are completely immune to that a, a perfect example of of this being done is a for example We've talked about this often also, a simple stream cipher using XOR to merge the plain text with the, the pseudo-random stream. Remember, if we have a pseudo-random stream of bits and we take plain text and we XOR those two, even though it's a little counterintuitive, what you get is really good crypto, except it is no it is absolutely vulnerable to an for example a known plain text attack because if you took that cipher text and you xored it with the plain text you get back the pseudo random stream that is you get back the key stream that that was used for doing the xor so xor is an example of you know it's a little fragile if you use it very carefully just right it's secure but you can't ever use the same stream twice or that opens you to a, an attack because it is so easily reversible. Whereas something like a modern cipher like Rheindahl used, which was chosen for AES, uh, the advanced encryption standard, will is not subject to this kind of known plain text or chosen plain text attack. But great question. Several people asked it too. Uh, Phil in uh, Leicester, UK, wanted to check in for uh, your recommendations. First, big fan of the show. Learned about security over the years through the podcast and your superb free tools, Steve. Thank you for doing this for the community. Given the ever-increasing need to protect our computers, I was just wondering if you could recommend any good free firewall and virus anti-malware protection software. My apologies if you've already covered this and I've missed it. I'm currently using uh, Microsoft's Security Essentials with the built-in Windows 7 firewall and malware bytes, but I'd like to know if there are any free alternatives. Once again, many thanks. And I'm using the same thing. I'm not, I've never been a big user of third-party uh, AV stuff, and Windows Firewall you know, provides good you know, unsolicited incoming protection. So, uh, yeah, and of course, I'm also behind all kinds of layers of NATs and routers and things. So uh, I'm, you know, got good security, but I just thought it was an interesting question. I know that our listeners would would be interested, Leo, if you've got any favorites. Well, you know, we've had for many years a sponsor, ESET, which I think is excellent. Um, yep. Kaspersky, a lot of people say very good things about that. My kind of, most of the security people I know don't really take any extra steps. A, because they believe, and I think they're absolutely right, that really behavior is the biggest issue. Yep. Um, and so even, in fact, as we know with CryptoLocker, even uh, 
if you've got the best antivirus, if you don't behave well on the net, even yep. inadvertently, it doesn't matter, right? So uh, I think a, a false reliance on, on antivirus is risky because it's not going to protect you if you're if you're clicking links and at, opening attachments and you hey let's see what this is <laughs> you're going to get bit yep <clears throat> uh i think that uh, so, absolutely security essentials while not even close to the best antivirus out there is probably adequate in fact microsoft's own monthly check with its uh, malware uh, removal tool is is a good start in fact you already have it if you have windows uh, we talked about this. I'm sure you click start, run, MRT. You can do it. Doesn't yep. normally do a thorough scan, but you can coerce it to do a thorough scan. Um, that that's not a bad idea. It's not an antivirus. It's not proactive, but it will. It's a great way to see if there's something on your system. And Microsoft does, I think, proactively remove the uh, some of the better known malware issues. Um, I think yep. Windows Firewall is fine. The issue, as we've said before, is it's a one way firewall does not protect you against outbound attack, but it's great against protecting your systems against other systems that are on your network if somebody comes in and plugs in a infected. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the thing that annoys me a little bit about it is that it is, it is prone to software in your machine bringing down ports or o- right. opening things into them. It allows it. And so... Yeah, and and so you know that was the trade-off Microsoft had to make for ease of use, which is why you really want to be behind a NAT router. Well, of course, I think every everybody everybody is, is. and yes. uh, yeah, and and that is of course a, a must-have, and that's a very that. But if you've got that, I think you really have got a very effective firewall because it's just dumb. Yeah. I, I I can't imagine anybody who listens to this show sits a computer out on the public internet without <laughs> without a router because um, that would be. Not advisable. I almost fell victim to a um, to a, a phishing email the other day and had to scold myself. It came in, looked like That's it was easy. from PayPal. Yeah, I'm, I'm I use PayPal a lot, and it yep. said just confirming we're adding another email address to your account, and it's like, oh, what? You know, I mean, and you know, I take every precaution. All of our users know we should take. But there's always that, how did maybe something happen? Maybe somebody got in. Maybe this is legitimate. And, I mean, I was, like, reaching for the mouse. And I said, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and sure enough, when I, I went over into my inbox and pulled the raw ASCII, and the whole thing was malicious. Yeah, it was just, yeah. it was, it, and, and the links were, were were masked. It really is a problem that email, and I'm still using an old Eudora client. I don't know if other email clients are better but i cannot see what is behind an email link it will not show me uh that the the domain it refers to and so it's really annoying i mean it's just it's really trouble prone well i don't use html email i turn it off and i and i really wish people wouldn't use it i think it's it's terrible didn't you block html email for a long time for a long time i said ah that's not real email but the problem is everybody uses it it's now yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's by far the majority of emails. Uh, malware bites. You know, a lot of people love malware bites. I have very mixed feelings about that. I, th- I think it's also another case of a false sense of security. Yeah. If you if so if you Microsoft Security Essentials, while not a great antivirus, nobody thinks it's a great antivirus. Is okay if you want to buy an antivirus as a form of protection. I do like ESET a lot. I think it's a really good antivirus. Um, you know, my, my best advice, use a Mac. 
because almost all these attacks, including CryptoLocker, are uh, aimed at Windows. It's not that the Mac is inherently more secure, although they've done some very good things to protect you. Um, but it's just not a target. Uh, if you're, you, I love, if, I, I love what Apple is doing. If you're, Leo. yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I'm really drifting in this direction. If you're compelled to use Windows, then all of this is germane. Um, or Linux. Linux would be appropriate too. Although uh, you have to be more of an expert to secure Linux than you do uh, on Windows or Mac. You really have to kind of know what you're doing. Uh, question six: David Troxell in Maryland offers a heads up about Match.com a site neither of us uses or needs to, <laughs> and it's insecurity. Dear Steve, blah, blah, blah. I recently had an interesting occurrence that you should probably mention. I got a few emails from Match.com with my wife sitting next to me at the, next to me at the time. That's embarrassing. <laughs> After looking and wondering for a few minutes, I concluded that someone, a female in her 40s from the Midwest, apparently gave the wrong email address when updating her profile. Match does not send out the email with a link to make sure you did it right. Oh, I know this, and I'll tell you how uh. I know it. Match then emails me just about all her information, her screen name, her password. <laughs> yeah. Wow, you idiots. I know. Uh, and from listening to this podcast, I know that means the passwords aren't encrypted on, on, on Match.com. So not even LastPass can save you. I also got her gender, zip code, and birth date. Oh, for crying out loud. I don't think anyone hijacked my email because I have two text message uh, text message two factor ID and I didn't get a text message. This looks like just some really poor security. With such a tech centric following, I'm pretty sure someone listening to this show uses the internet for dating purposes. They should know about this. Well, I do know that Match.com makes no attempt to validate email addresses because I get subscribed to Match.com regularly by <laughs> oh. pranksters. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's worse. That's a that's a leak of leak of information that is this, yes. Horrific. This is hor horrifying privacy leak. And so I wanted. I mean, I, I actually I I, I Mark Thompson has used Match dot com uh, several decades ago. I did and met someone fun that and we dated for a while. So you know, I I was there once upon a time. Oh, it's a good and service. I would be, um, in well, fact, it's uh, the number one, yeah. the number one internet dating service yeah. online, but. With security this bad, I just wanted to make sure our listeners knew because I think David is right. There's no doubt that people who are hearing this are probably active listen or active users, and they need to be very careful with you know their email address and password and so forth. Wow, yeah, really crazy that a site like that would be so lax with security because I mean it's it's the definition of personal information. I mean that's that's really enough to to uh, perpetrate a identity theft. I think. Oh my least, goodness! Yeah, well, and he he could have clearly logged in as her and had complete access to right. everything she's able to do from her account. Right. Mike wow. Graham in uh, Hopatakong, New Jersey. I don't know how you say that. Wonders whether TrueCrypt is dead, but better not be. Hi, Steve. Based on your mention in a recent Security Now episode, I trust, trust checked out TrueCrypt. <laughs> I take back what I said about our smart listeners. <laughs> Leo. <laughs> no. No, it's a simple, not an easy mistake. To me, this site has all the mere marks of being dead. There's not been a release of over a year. The news page is similarly stale. I checked because I have a new laptop with Windows 8 and a UEFI BIOS, and 
TrueCrypt does not yet support this for full disk encryption. I was hoping you may have an in with the TrueCrypt developers. Mike, love the show. Keep up the good work. TrueCrypt, is it so, dead? No. But this raised an interesting point, and this is why I, I, I thought this was a worthwhile question, is that TrueCrypt is done in in and that's why they haven't touched the page for so long. I mean, okay, now yes, it apparently needs to be updated to support UF UEFI BIOS and and so forth. But but the but a, with a project like this and of course I I face this with Spinrite because you know, Spinrite has sat doing what it does for 10 years because you know, it did what it did perfectly, and I wasn't needing to update it continually because it was done. Yes, I'm. I will be working on. I will get as soon as I get um, uh, Squirrel put back to bed. I will be back to spin right six one, and I'm going to give everybody a free update and supporting the UEFI BIOS is one of the things on my list because the old style partition table only has thirty two bits, so it can't handle ridiculously large partitions. Uh, which are becoming increasingly prevalent, um, but but I, I guess I I felt for the true crypt developers like you know this is all voluntary it's all free it's open source fabulous software we know that it's not dead because as we've been discussing it's we're in the process of raising well we we the community are in the process of raising money to do the first official audit of TrueCrypt so that everyone can know what it is. So, and this is a problem that you sometimes get into with free open source software is that it it gets done and then the world changes out from under it. And it, at some point, people are going to have to come back and put in a substantial amount of, of effort in order to update it to to new standards. So yeah, it's, it's really because it, it's open source and people do this in their spare time. It's for fun. Yeah. It's not a paid project. And they did a fab, fabulous job. Yeah. With with, with, with TrueCrypt. Yeah. Um, and it does say if you go to the site, updated October 11th, 2013. I mean, it's not like nothing's happening there. Um, right. So if the if the main point is why hasn't the software been updated in six months? Well, that's why. It doesn't really need to be. And I'm sure they're working on UEFI, although, as you know, that's non-trivial. It is non-trivial. If, you, if you've relied on BIOS, you have to rewrite a lot of low-level stuff. Yep. Is it well uh, documented, UEFI? Oh, yeah. There, yeah. We have absolute all okay. the information we need. It's, it's, it's a public, open standard and and becoming increasingly what you know one of the reasons i was able to put off you know i've been busy doing other things and i was able to put that off is that we just weren't having many problems with people using uefi right. because for example the mac had moved there but spinrite was for the pc and pcs were still staying with you know bios based right. and so it, it wasn't becoming a problem now uh it's beginning to be a problem so of course that has my as we know has my attention again uh, our last question coming up. I just want a little programming uh, note. Uh, if you didn't hear our interview with Ladar Levison last Wednesday, that is up now on uh, Triangulation, twit.tv slash TRI. He's, of course, the creator of Lava Bit. And uh, he talks very candidly about what happened, what, why he decided he had to bring it down, what legal fight he's going on right now. And he mentioned something that we talked about before the show began, the uh, the new 
Dark Mail that he's doing in uh, conjunction with Silent Circle. Yeah. Uh, and that's exciting. There's that, that he, uh, you know, I asked Ladar, I said, come on, really no email uh, service can be secure because the nature of SMTP is that most of the time you're sending mail unencrypted. You just can't, you, not so few servers use encryption. That's just, it doesn't make any sense. And he agreed readily. He said, yeah, PGP or the like is the way to, if you want secure email, you have to secure it on your side and give the guy on the other side the key. He said, but as right. Edward Snowden learned when he tried to get Glenn Greenwald to use it, and Ladar said, and even my lawyer, I said, we got to use PGP, and my lawyer couldn't figure it out. It's non-trivial, not easy to figure out. Our audience could figure it out, but normal people prob probably not. So I think that my sense is that his goal is to make that kind of encryption, just as Threema does, uh, easy to implement uh, in an email mm -hmm. client. So we'll see. And, of course, Silent Circle is Phil Zimmerman. The guy who created PGP, yeah. So that's a good that's a good pairing. Yeah. Also, uh, triangulation today. I love this. We're going to interview Tom Standage. Uh, he wrote the uh, Victorian Internet, which was a great book. His newest is about social networks. It's called Writing on the Wall, or Writing in the Wall: Social Media, the First Two Thousand Years. And <laughs> that's it's a great premise. It's the history of social networks from. You know the the uh, agora in uh, in uh, Greek times to coffee houses in London in the 17th century, really a, a great, and then the rise of mass media, really a great subject. So that's coming up this afternoon. Uh, and I have to say, Leo, that I had I received a number of tweets from people saying, "Steve, you've got to go watch uh, what Leo did with Ladar." So I had you know other people saying it was really a great triangulation and and you were really up to speed apparently so well, thanks I to you i mean i knew what was going on because <laughs> we talked about it and i uh, uh i don't take any credit i think the reason it was interesting is because ladar was surprisingly upfront and frank That's uh, uh given you know his potential legal problems he was given his limitations yeah, yes he was it didn't have a lawyer sitting next to him just his dog and uh <laughs> and uh he was great i really enjoyed talking to him Final Neat. question from Mr. Liquid Bread. Chris Phillips, who appropriately enough lives in Battle Creek, Michigan, home of Kellogg's. He brings news of a crypto locker prevention kit. I ran across this packet of group policy changes to prevent crypto locker from saving itself to your PC on a Spiceworks forum. I've downloaded it, and uh, me and my colleagues are still discussing whether to deploy this in our enterprise environment. Check it out and see if it's worth mentioning on your next security up uh, uh, episode. He gives three links, uh, four links. Actually, those are all mine, Steve's. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So first of all, this is what you and I talked about. There is something called Crypto Prevent, and that's a it's sort of a turnkey tool which will use Windows Group policies. To, to block CryptoLocker from doing what it wants to do. So, so this is a useful thing. I'm a little uncomfortable because it has a, it has a chance of being, of, of triggering false positives. That is your, the, the good news is CryptoLocker's behavior is a little odd in, in how it wants to install itself and run itself. And that can be used in order to to block that behavior. Um, the good news is that group policies are 
absolutely well-documented, well-understood solution for, especially in a corporate environment, for, for, for managing PC behavior. But it's sort of a soft fix because crypto lockers future behavior could change so that in order to deliberately to work around the the crypto prevent group policy fixes however for today for now it's a very clean and nice solution and so what i did was i tweeted a bunch of stuff just before the podcast so anybody who wanted to get the links could again go to bit.ly/sggrc or just check the SGGRC Twitter feed, and you'll and I created some Bitly shortcuts: um, block CL, PRVNTCL, and bleeping. The bleeping link it's it's Bitly bit.ly slash bleeping is to absolutely the hands down best page discussing CryptoLocker. Talks about. What it is, That's a good how site, it works. General Bleeping Computer is really a good yes, site. Yes, yeah. bleepingcomputer.com is great. And they've got a fabulous crypto locker page uh, for anyone who wants to come up to speed. After, oh, and the, the, that, that Spiceworks link that Chris put me on to, which is bit.ly slash blockcl, I'm hosting their zip file on GRC. First, because I didn't want to crash their server uh, by by... Twit, uh, tweeting it as I did crash uh, Rob's the other day. Um, and also because I verified the file is a legitimate zip. Before I opened it, I looked at it from a, for a binary viewer to verify that it was a zip format and not executable myself. And then I opened it and looked at the files. It's beautiful because it's just a toolkit. For, and in fact, I've received some tweets back from corporate people who said, oh, thank you, thank you. This is just what we need for corporate deployment. So it doesn't do anything itself. It's very good documentation in PDFs and the files that, a, that anyone who understood Windows group policy could use for establishing group policy settings that would absolutely lock crypto locker out of people's systems it is ironic that they send it out with a zip file containing uh -uh. what looks to be pdfs which is exactly how I know. Uh, crypto locker works but yeah so okay. it's so it's frightening so it's why i decided i looked at it carefully myself and then hosted yeah. it on grc yeah. <laughs> crazy crazy yeah all right. So yeah. anyway, good. The you know worrying and I mean I, this is the current big problem is crypto locker. I it's I, I, as far as I've seen the AV tools are still behind on this and people are still getting themselves infected. So we really need to be careful with with clicking on links. We do indeed. And the best way to be cautious is to stay up on what's going on. And if you listen to this show, you're miles ahead. Of everybody else, Steve Gibson keeps it all. Uh, on the, the lowdown at grc.com, that's his website where you'll find Spinrite, the world's best hard drive maintenance utility. you got to have it. And allows you, you, could, you could peer into your hard drive with it. Know if your employees <laughs> are up to snuff. Yep. Uh, you can also get a lot of free stuff there, including 16 kilobit versions of this show for the bandwidth impaired and full text transcriptions written by an actual human, the wonderful Elaine Ferris. So you can... Read along as you uh, listen to the show. We host uh, full-quality audio and video of the show on our site, twit.tv slash SN. And, of course, you can always subscribe uh, 
podcast versions available almost everywhere you can get uh, podcasts, including Stitcher and the like. Uh, we do the show currently, at least through the end of the year, on uh, Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Next week, because of our change off summertime to a daylight uh, to a standard time, we will right. be uh, uh, at uh, we, we move to GMT plus eight. So we'll be at 1900 UTC if you want to watch live. But if you don't, don't worry. As like I said, on-demand version is always available. Thank you, Steve. You're coming up Deal? for New Year's Eve, our special event. Yep. I'm going to be with you for at least for a while while you're yeah, following I don't ex- users around the I don't globe. Expect the whole 24 hours. <laughs> we start 4 a.m. New Year's Eve and 4 a.m. New Year's Day. We are going to celebrate New Year's at least every hour. In a couple of cases, every half hour. In wow. every time zone, a countdown, and I hope, and in fact, if you're listening, I hope you'll participate, a, a, a viewer or a listener, in that time zone, you can sign up. We're trying to, there are many time zones unfilled at twits.tv slash NYE. If you're in Papua, Papua, New Guinea, we need you. I did ask for, to get late checkout uh, the next day. <laughs> you're going to want it. So that, so you that I can stay up with you for a while. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun. I've wanted to do this for years. Nobody would let me. 24 hours of New Year's uh, from the Twit Studios. All the shows will be on. All our people will have bands. We'll have jammies. Wow. <laughs> You're going to be in your jammies? No, I'm, I am I have been oh. informed that I must wear a tuxedo the entire time. Ah, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Thank you, Steve Gibson. Thank you, Leo. We'll see you next time. How did I say? How do I say? How do you say Papua? Oh, and by the way, no jury Papua. duty for me so far. Oh yeah, I, I, I forgot not about, sure about that. Not sure about tomorrow, but I've been watching it day by day, and uh, it. But nobody in the reserve group have been has been called. Apparently, there are people who are not call in. There are people who you must show up, people, and so no one has been taken out of the call in groups that I've been able to detect from looking at the. At, at the website status. So I think I'm in the clear for this for this round. Yay. You did Yay. your duty. <laughs> this week at Google Next. You next week. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Security.